In the recent Gallup poll reported that among the 13 to 17-year-olds, 51% said that they have no role model that they can look up to. 49% cited their parents rather than celebrities whom they want to emulate. And as I looked at this, I realized even in my own life, it was my mother's kindness, generosity, and continuous self-giving that impacted me more than anybody else's life. She was and continues to be an inspiration in my life, though she's been with the Lord for many years. She continues to be the model that I aspire to emulate. But there's one thing I need to tell you about the power of example. Whether you are a student in school, whether you are a parent or whether you are a boss at work, whether you are an employer or employee, listen. There is one thing you need to understand about the power of example. That its impact is not very often immediate. That its influence is not very often instant. That its effect on others, very often it's in the long run rather than in the short run. Somebody who's watching you in school, who's watching you at work, somebody who's watching you at home, somebody who's watching you in your neighborhood, somebody who's watching your life and learning from your life example, may not fully appreciate or endeavor to emulate your good example immediately, but certainly they will in the wrong run. They will at some point in their life. You know, whenever a young person comes to me and says, I feel the call of God upon my life to go to full-time ministry, and I'm thinking of what seminary I should go to. Is there any advice that you can give me? I have a very simple advice, very simple standard answer. Do not look at the seminary's size. Do not look at its academic record as much. And don't look at their accomplishment or their reputation as much. But look at the godliness of their professors. Because professors can give you hid knowledge that can be forgotten. <laughs> but their lives will impact you forever. The same principle applies to everyone. Every person who names the name of Christ is watched by others around them, whether you are young or old, regardless of your age. People are impacted by your life far more than by your words. People are influenced by your actions rather than by your instructions. People are absorbing your lifestyle rather than your hairstyle. People will emulate your walk far more than they will ever emulate your talk. People are molded and shaped by your habits more than they are by your rules. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you how an unknown poet explained this. And he penned it this way. Listen to it carefully. A careful man I ought to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he will be self-same way. Not once can I escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. 
Like me, he says, he's going to be that little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I am molding for years to be the little chap who follows me. Today we come to the eighth secret, secret number eight, in the power of positive living. Turn with me, if you haven't already, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's the Apostle Paul at this point in his life, as he writes, and he comes to this point of chapter 6, of 2 Corinthians, confident in the fact that he has emulated Christ, that he has followed the Lord Jesus Christ's example in his life fully, confident of this fact, he proceeds to tell others, if they want to role model, if they want to model Jesus Christ, they can take a look at him, Paul. Why? Is he prideful? Is he boasting? Not at all. Paul was so confident that he's molded by Christ, that he's modeled by Christ, that he can tell people, now you look at me, and now you model your life. Now, I'll tell you something. For many years as a young preacher, that passage really troubled me. (laughs) I mean, it troubled me no end. And every time I get to it, I want to get away from it very quickly. And it's because I could not for a moment tell anybody, model me. And as I grew in the faith, as my walk with the Lord strengthened, as I began to understand the Scripture, as I began to comprehend what it means to model Christ in every way, I began to understand why this power of example truly can give a person a power of positive living. Power to live above false accusations that Paul was facing power to live above the anguish of soul that you read through those pages that you can never miss from those pages. Power to live above the deep hurts and the disappointments of life which all of us in some time or another have received. Hear me right on this one. The one thing that people cannot successfully attack you about is your life example. They can never attack that. They don't know how to attack that. Oh, listen, people can tear your words to shreds. (laughs) They do with me. You see, people can can falsify your words. People can twist your words. People can misconstrue your words. People can take your words out of context. People can, can change your words. But they stand helpless. They stand worthless before your life example. Your life example is like the rock that shatters their false accusations. Your life example is like that fortress uh, that will deflect all of their arrows. Your life example is like that wall that resists their fire. Your life example is going to be that high mountain that they could never climb. And I think it was Albert Schweitzer who once said, example is not the main thing, that influences others, it is the only thing. Certainly, it has been Paul's defense against his false accusers. It has been his defense against those whom he called false apostles. It has been his defense against those who call themselves his enemy. And that is why, my beloved friends, in the middle of his most trying days, do you ever get trying days? (laughs) Do you get trying days? 
in the middle of his trying days, his power of example kept him strong. In the middle of his anguished spirit, the power of example brought him comfort. In the middle of his afflictions, the power of example gave him perseverance. In the middle of his prison, the power of example was enabling him to praise God in the middle of the prison. But the question I think that's in the mind of every one of us, well, how, how, how can this be? How did Paul practice the power of example? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm anxious to tell you. Because I know and you know, if you're realistic and honest, you would agree with me that it is not just hard, it's impossible to do on your own. It really is. You try all you can. It is an impossibility. It is the most difficult thing to do. And Paul knew this. Paul knew this. And that is why he gives us three things of how to set the power of example for others to follow and emulate. You see, whether you agree or disagree, if you're not going to set an example for others, you're basically setting obstacles. That's that bottom line. It's not a matter of you being indifferent or neutral. You either set the example or set obstacles. And you're doing one of two things, one of those two things. So you ask yourself the question today, am I setting an example for others or am I setting obstacles for others? Ask that question to yourself and don't stop until you answer it. So Paul gives us three things that will enable us to set the power of example and live in the power of example and through the power of example become empowered by positive living. Number one, he says, I can only do it in partnership with God. Verses 1 to 10 of 2 Corinthians 6. Only in partnership with God. You cannot do it any other way. Secondly, he said, I can do it only by practicing the love of God in my life. Verses 11 to 13. Thirdly, he says, I can only do it by persistently obeying the injunction of God. Verses 14 to 7.1. It can only be done in partnership with God. You can only cease to be a hindrance for others to come to Christ. You can only cease to be a hindrance for others to know Christ by being an example, and you can only be example in partnership with God. You cannot do it on your own. When it comes to the power of example, we can try all we can, but only in partnership with God it becomes possible. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Paul said, and working together with God. (laughs) It is only when you and I realize that We are partners with God. Will we see the power of example not as a burden, not as something I've got to do, or not as something I have to fake in front of people? No, 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 no. Only when you understand the privilege of what it means to be a partner with the living God, the almighty God, the powerful God, will you understand that the power of example is a joy, not a chore. It's only in partnership with God that you will understand that He will sustain you when you feel inadequate, that He will lift you up when you are down. How come? Well, because when you discover that, 
you will not be tormented between the public you and the private you. I think I lived long enough, ministered for over 30 years in several continents to know that so many Christians are tormented by being one thing up in public and another thing in private. And they really deep down when they are naked before God, they know that this is something that is tormenting them. And when you understand that you're in partnership with God, you will not be tormented between those two realities. You will not live a life that is always afraid to be found out. You will not live a life that wears different masks for different occasions. You will not live bound by some external rules that somebody somewhere have set up. You will live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not live in worry and anxiety, but you will live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not live a life that is concerned all the time about what people think of me and how people perceive me, but you will live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will live in victorious endurance. You will live a life that will manifest Christ in your life all the time. Amen. Give God praise. Look at verse 4. And see what Paul said about this exemplary life. He said, in everything, commending ourselves. Is Paul on an ego trip here? <laughs> what, what is he saying? Oh, but I don't want you to miss the point. He did not say, in everything, I'm commending you my academic degrees, which he had plenty of by those days' standards. He did not say, I'll commend to you my material affluence. And let me tell you, he was a very wealthy man before he came to Christ, when he gave everything to Christ. He did not say, I commend you all my professional success. Just look at all my successful records, and I commend those to you. No, 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 no. He did not say, look, I commend my accomplishment. Let my accomplishments speak for themselves. No, 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 no. He said, but in everything, commending ourselves as what? Did you get it? As what? Servants of God. When does this life of partnership with God manifest itself? When? Is it when everything is going well in your life? Is it only when the sun is shining and life is hunky-dory? Is it only when you are successful and people looking at you and said, look at him, look at her. And I said, oh, I can praise God. I am able to say that I am in partnership with God. No, 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 beloved, listen to me. Listen to what Paul said. Don't listen to me. Listen to what he said. He said, in much endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, in sleepless nights, in hunger, in purity, in understanding, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, in the power of God with weapons of righteousness, in the right and on the left. What is he saying? What is Paul saying? Listen to me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, no matter what life throws at you, I am going to not be defeated. Why? Because I am in partnership with God. 
I'm in partnership with God. And because I am in partnership with God, I will always exhibit an exemplary life, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my pain, regardless of the difficulties that I might temporarily be facing, regardless of my financial crisis, regardless of my health crisis, regardless of what's going on in my life. Because I am in partnership with God, I am victorious regardless of these things. Someone said that an authentic Christian is like a tea bag. It can become most effective only when it gets into hot water. <laughs> Beloved, I want to tell you, listen to me. Anyone can sing when the sun is shining. Anyone can do that. It's when the wind blowing in your face and the storm in life are raging. It's only when you're facing difficulties and circumstances that you have no answer for. That when you're looking at tough problems and dilemmas in life and you sing, that's when you know that you're in partnership with God. Anyone can sing in the sunshine, but singing during the dark storms is a true partnership with God. Look at verse, verses 8 to 10. See what he's saying here. He's saying, whether people speak will of us or ill, whether they praise us or despise us, whether they exalt us or malign us, whether they flatter us or, or criticize us, whether they cherish us or vilify us, those who are in partnership with God will continue their exemplary life because they're constantly empowered by so doing. Secondly, the power of example is only possible when you practice the love of God. Not human love, but agape love. Look at verse 13, because this is really the problem that he's facing. You've got to understand the problem he's facing so you understand what the solution he's giving you. <laughs> In verse 13, he says, We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding your affections from us. I want to ask you this. How many of us, how many of us, can testify to the fact that when someone gives us the cold shoulder, oh, by the way, do you know how the cold shoulder come from? This is a freebie on the house. <laughs> do you know what the saying cold shoulder came from? It's the old medieval times in England when you go and stay with people for a little, you know, a few days and you kind of really, they've had enough of you and they want to get you the message to move on. They serve you the cold shoulder of the lamb. <laughs> And when you get served the cold shoulder, you know it's time to move on. <laughs> this is a subtle British way of doing things, you know. <laughs> but that's really how, where the saying came from. But when somebody gives you the cold shoulder, I wonder how many of us would testify that it's really not very hard to keep on loving that person. I, I just wonder. I mean, as I told you, don't raise your hand because <laughs> it would be a temptation for me. When somebody gives you the cold shoulder, I want to tell you, it is very, very, very difficult to keep on loving that person. In fact, I remember many years ago, a man worked for me, and I could look at his eyes and can see cold anger. I can look at his eyes and I see resentment. Well, I thought maybe because he's 27 years my senior, and that may be disappointment for him. 
But that was not the case. No matter how gracious I am to him, no matter how hard I tried, he would look at me with those vacant eyes. (laughs) But he managed to smile. But I could see it. That went on for a few weeks. You know what my natural reaction was going to be is to act in the flesh. Again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you can identify with that? I mean, I wanted to act in the flesh and I want to make a mess of things. Because that's what would have happened. But instead I prayed. I went to the Lord. I cried to the Lord with all of my heart. Then I lovingly confronted him. And I said to him, I have nothing toward you but love and respect. But I don't understand why. You're responding the way you're responding. Guess what? Somebody fed him erroneous information. Somebody gave him totally erroneous information. But once he knew the truth and that he was misled, we became friends and great co-workers together. 26 years later, he went to be with the Lord. And in response to a letter that I wrote to his widow, she wrote back. And she said, though he was many years your senior, he looked up to you. And he admired you. I sat and wept reading those words. You know why? Because I know how close I came to acting in the flesh and would have made a mess of things. I know. And I'm not sharing this with you to be self-serving story. No, no, no. Because I'm always reminded by this. This is, I always try to learn from my failures. Listen to me. Sometimes people hate us. Sometimes people resent us simply because they have received erroneous information. They perceive us wrongly. And this is precisely what is happening here in Corinth. It's exactly what is happening here. False apostles began to spread false accusations about the apostle Paul. False apostles were coming in and disseminating erroneous information about Paul. They said, oh, Paul doesn't really love you. Paul has his own interest. Paul has his own agenda. He doesn't care for you. So much so that this information seeped into the very heart of many of Paul's friends. That's why I can tell you with certainty that gossip is the most damning sin in the Christian church. When somebody comes to you with a juicy bit of gossip, stop them. Say, you and I, let's go together and talk to the person. And poor old Paul, I mean, you can see, you cannot read 2 Corinthians without feeling the anguish of this man. And so, some of Paul's friends were withholding affection. They they were treating, they were giving him the cold shoulder. (laughs) Oh, beloved, make no mistake about it. It is painful to deal with. Whether it is in relationship, the husband and wife, relationship between brothers in Christ or two sisters in Christ, relationship in families, it is difficult to deal with. It is not easy to deal with. Oh, but it is vitally important that you deal with it. It is vitally important to set the record straight. 
When you are motivated by love for God and love for His people, you have no choice but to deal with the issues. You have no choice but lovingly confront the issues. Of course, sometimes you can't do it for whatever reason. All you need to do is you keep on loving and you keep on reaching and then wait for God's timing. Look at Paul's description of the essence of real love, the love of God that he continuously to exhibit toward people who through erroneous information were hating him. Verse 11, he said, in that love there has to be honesty. Verse 12, there has to be continuous affection regardless of their behavior. Verse 13, he said, it's got to be continuously seeking to fellowship with that person. Listen to me. If the great apostle Paul was not at all embarrassed to say that he was hurting, who are you and who am I to hide our hurts from somebody who's erroneously perceiving you and dealing with you? Power of example can only be accomplished through what? Partnership with God. Secondly, Practicing the love of God. Thirdly, the power of example is only possible by persistently obeying the injunction of God. Look at verses 14 of chapter 6, 2 Corinthians on. He said, do not be bound together with unbelievers. What is he saying here? Some people said or thought that this means that you shut yourself off from the world. Or that you shut yourself off from non-believers. That is not what Paul is saying because in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said specifically not to do that. <laughs> He's saying, how else would you witness to them if you shut yourself off from people outside of your Christian fellowship? But the separation he's talking about here does not mean not being associated with non-believers does not mean that at all. It's a common mistake, and through the years, those who really took that to an extreme became cults. In fact, Paul is deriving his thought from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 10. And in the book of Deuteronomy 22:10, God said to the Israelites, let me read it to you so I don't misquote it. He said, do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. Why? Because those two animals are of different nature. And if you have an ox and a donkey yoked together, same yoke, because they have different nature, different strength, what's going to happen? The strong one is going to pull and the weak one is going to lag. And what happens? Both of them will get hurt. And here's what Paul is saying. Listen to me very carefully, please. Here's what Paul is saying. He is talking about unity together for life, and in the spiritual realm. I remember many years ago, a young woman who looked in the eye of the man she loved and he loved her, and she said to him, I cannot marry you. I would be disobeying God's injunction. And I can tell you today, the young man is a giant for Christ today. Why? Simply put, God honored her desire for obedience to his injunction, not to be bound for life 
with non-believer. Here's what Paul is saying. It is an impossibility for a believer and non-believer to have the same spiritual goals. It is as absurd as saying that light and darkness could coexist. As absurd as saying that righteousness and lawlessness can be together. As absurd as saying that Jesus and Satan can fellowship together. It's an impossibility. That's what he is making the point. Ex- literally exaggerating it so you can see it. The two cannot mix. Integrity is that word that says that what you say you believe and how you live are so integrated together that you can hardly tell them apart, that they are in total and complete unity. And integrity can be clearly seen in the life of example. And the life of example will give you the power for positive thinking. Sure, you cannot do it without partnership with God. Sure, you cannot do it without practicing the love of God. Sure, you cannot do it without persisting in obedience to the injunction of God. But you can do it in the name of Christ. There may be somebody here today who would say, Michael, you know, I have known people who have been role models, great people, prayed for me, loved me, father, mother, neighbor, co-worker, but I personally have never really committed my life to Christ. I've watched them and admired them, but I really never gave my life to Christ. I never understood what it means to confess to God that I'm a sinner by birth, I'm a sinner by practice, and I desperately need His forgiveness and salvation that He only can give and forgive. Well, you can do that today. This is a marvelous thing. God loves you enough to say to you, I want to welcome you into my arms today. Will you repent? Will you confess? Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.